The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Green Scene on The Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more. In the green scene today, how remote working can help save the planet. But first, sharks on a golf course. We're joined by Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Ruth, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, where are these sharks and where's the golf course? Yeah, well, this is uh, the sharks aren't on the golf course anymore. So anyone who's heading out to the tee, or they're probably not going out this morning with a storm, no need to worry. But this is a study that was just published looking back at a population of sharks that, that were living on a golf course in Australia for nearly 20 years. And it's a fascinating story that's just really sort of been fully studied now. So back in 1996, big floods swept six young bull sharks from a nearby river into a fairly large lake in, 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 a, in a golf course near Brisbane, in Carbrook Golf Course, near their 14th hole. And when the flood ended, these sharks found themselves stuck in the lake Um, sort of surrounded by hills and curious golfers. And everyone wondered what was going to happen to them. As it happened, the the lake was full of fish, uh, so they managed to survive. But but what was also interesting was this was a freshwater lake. And of course, many of us would have heard of bull sharks because they are a shark that we very rarely hear about attacking people. But these creatures can grow up to about three metres long. But they are one species of shark that can tolerate different types of water, different types of salinity, because they have specially adapted kidneys and glands inside that basically keep salt in their bodies when they're in fresh water. So one of the things scientists never knew, we always knew that these sharks, young sharks, would would live in kind of brackish and freshwater lakes because this provides them with a safe place away from the big sharks in the big sea where they can sort of start to grow but of course, once they get bigger, they need to go out to sea to get bigger prey. So we, we never knew how long they might be able to survive in fresh water. And it turns out, it, you know, 17 years, which, which is probably more than half the lifespan of this type of shark, um, because, because we, we've seen it now in the golf course mm. here. So they were there for nearly 17 years. They, they were fed sometimes because I think the golfers and the club got quite attached to them. They became the club's logo. Um, So they were fed and they fed on the fish. And they didn't seem to breed, though. So there did seem to be something about living in the fresh water that meant they couldn't sort of fully mature and breed. So they just died off? They probably did. They may actually, I mean, the lake was quite big. And and one theory is actually that they were, that somebody fished them, that there was illegal trophy fishing on going around the lake. That seems hard to extract a three metre bull shark quietly from a lake in a golf course but that's that's one of the hypotheses but they they aren't there anymore um there's another discovery too of sharks living in sponges and sponges are living things absolutely and this again the first time we've ever seen that this is from australia also uh, this is the public research agency there they were doing a survey in a remote seabed off the coast of western australia and they found a shark tail sticking out of a sponge's body and it was a little banded cat shark And they actually, when they looked at the sponge, they found 30 little um, sharks packed into this one sponge, which we've never seen before. And we know that sharks will sometimes lay their eggs around sponges. But the more they looked, the more they found sharks inside sponges. So they found 57 cat sharks in lots and lots of different kinds of sponges. They were male, female, young and old. 
so what it, what they're thinking now is that well, this is something we never knew that sharks actually protect themselves. Little sharks protect themselves from big sharks by hiding in sponges. sponges. Now, uh, remote working can help the planet, and this is a complicated uh, business. It's about people staying at home and not commuting, but we don't know in America, for example, how much they're using their air conditioner that might not have been on if they were in the office. True, and and so, so that's exactly it. I mean, we 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 know that re- remote working is likely to have benefits in terms of our emissions, but we've never really known how much and what are the key factors that influence it. And this is new work from Cornell University and Microsoft uh, that was just published. And what they have found is that those who work from home all the time, even taking into account, you know, that your home might not be as efficient as the office, are probably reducing their emissions by over fifty percent. But when it comes to hybrid work, as you say, it's not that simple. Um, So two to four days in the office lowered your emissions still by about 30%. But if you were only doing one day of remote work a week, that only seemed to reduce emissions by about 2%, um, which is kind of, you know, a slightly surprising finding. It's definitely not a linear relationship. And it is because of the differences between the home and the office, but also because of the different types of behaviours that people have when they're working from home. So so what they found was it wasn't really anything to do with your IT, your computer, because that was kind of the same, whether you're in the office or at home. Um, But it was that people working from home tended to travel more to do other things. So they tended to do more traveling to pick up and drop off family and friends, to do recreational things, maybe to visit healthcare facilities. And for those that only came into the office one day a week, and this kind of intuitively makes sense, they tended to live further away. So so we all heard kind of during the pandemic how people had taken the opportunity to move out of cities and and maybe move to more remote areas, perhaps just coming in one day a week. Mm. But that might be a much longer commute than they would have had if they had to go to the office five days a week. So really what this study says is certainly remote working has the potential to cut our emissions, but it needs to be done quite thoughtfully. And we need to look at, you know, the energy in the office. Yeah. Uh, Interesting that uh, machinery that you have at home, like your printer, might be much less energy efficient than the laser printer in the office. That's true. So, so there may be some bits of equipment where there will be differences in, in efficiency. And, you know, you could argue that new office buildings will be really energy efficient. And, you know, if your home is not very energy efficient, that, that's going to be a balance towards mm. being in the office. Um, but, of course, on the other hand, you know, cutting down commuting, if, if, you're, if you're cutting down on traffic, you're actually improving fuel efficiency for all the vehicles in the traffic. Um, you're improving air quality. So, so as with all things, there aren't simple solutions. But certainly, at least the more we understand how we use these tools to cut emissions. And I mean, we are facing real challenges with our own transport emissions here in Ireland. So it's something we do need to look at. Um, but if we actually understand where the emissions are coming from when people do these different things, and we understand the behaviours, which is going to be a big part of how we address climate, we're much more likely to do it right. Dr Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. On News Talk.